Guys, um, yeah, I wanted to start this evening. So the, 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 ti- the topic for this evening is we need each other. And uh, it's so important that in a season like we've just come through the last two years, there's no doubt that we actually need each other. And not only is that a, a great saying, it's actually biblical. And so tonight I'm gonna be teaching how Jesus actually at the, around the dinner table, just before he heads towards the garden of Gethsemane where he gets handed over to be arrested, he actually talks about five principles and I'll be taking you through John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16 and 17. And there is a theme in all of those chapters where Jesus talks about the fact that we need each other. But to start off, I don't know about you, but how many of you, enjoy elevators. Come on, let's show of hands. How many of you enjoy elevators? Okay, I find elevators to be the most unusual place on planet Earth, especially when they're crowded. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever felt how weird it is standing in an elevator when you walk in? It's like you walk into an elevator and you don't know anyone. How many people talk to each other? There isn't, there's almost like this awkward silence. And then you're like, you're looking at your shoes. You don't know what to look at. When there's a mirror, if you're insecure, you're like, don't look at the mirror in the elevator. Or you start watching the numbers and the count, but it's such an awkward place. Like if you think about an elevator, and sometimes uh, you pack like sardines and then you don't want to touch anyone, especially in the cupboards, and you're like, get away from me. You're like, everybody's trying to uh, social distance and nobody talks to each other. And in fact, um, you, as you're watching the light, you actually start to, to, to not engage with anyone. I don't know how many of you have ever been, uh, am I the only one that feels awkward when you get into an elevator? Huh? Like seriously, like, like I'll be in a conversation with people and when we climb into the elevator, we don't talk to each other anymore. It's like, just quiet, like. And I think that sometimes, uh, elevators can be a lot like our church life. Like if I think about it, seven years ago, friends of ours, we went out to the Absa building. They had that awesome restaurant. I don't know if anybody's ever been there. Uh, they had an awesome restaurant, not the club, just letting you know, geez, that was the restaurant right at the top. But as you get into this elevator, um, I remember <laughs> the door opening up and as the door opened up, the elevator was already full. And there were like at least five of us and I could just see what these people are thinking. They're looking at you with those eyes that are going, you're not planning on getting in here, are you? Like, and so anyways, we did, we got into the elevator and as the doors closed, it was and the lift starts to go up. My one friend says, you're probably wondering why I've called this meeting here today. And all of a sudden that whole elevator started to burst out with laughter. And it just got me thinking that uh, sometimes our church life could be awkward like that. We could actually be surrounded by crowds of people but still feel lonely. We could be surrounded by people and still have our individualism. And that's pretty much like the flavor of the day. And I think it shows us that people can be surrounded by other people in a crowded setting and not experience community. Um, we can be part of a, cl- a company, a club, a lift club, a church. And sometimes you can still feel like you're not part of a community. You know, last year they put out a stat that actually said that four out of 10 people, four, as much as four out of 10 people, don't feel close to anyone. So even if you think about this room tonight, at least 40% of this room, you may be sitting here going, that's me. I'm surrounded by a lot of people, but I just don't feel like I'm actually connected. And you know, that was not the case for Paul. 
If we look at the Apostle Paul, he was born in Tarsus, educated in Jerusalem, lived in Damascus. He spent most of his formative years in the desert before he moved to Antioch. His professional ventures out, he did three massive missions out. But the key thing that Paul always did when he landed anywhere was to group a bundle of people to create a community because he understood that community was the way that we had moved the church forward. And so most people think that um, sin is the only problem in the Bible. Actually, loneliness is too. So Genesis chapter two, verse 18 says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a suitable helper. Now I want you to pay attention to where that is situated in the Bible. It's situated in chapter two, verse 18. Sin only came in chapter three. The first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. The first problem in the Bible was solitude. It was loneliness. And God saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so that's the first thing we learn. I always laugh because Andre, um, when he was coaching me to do weddings, <laughs> he'd tell me, and this is for all the guys that he gave Adam, <laughs> he gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. And so that was also one of the things that, that he got first, was they got a job and he didn't want him to be lonely uh, before sin actually came into this um, earth. So we can see in, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, as an example, was one of the most famous pe people in the Bible. I know he had many wives. <laughs> Apparently he had lots of wives, guys. Like he would outwife any of you. I hope so. But, but he had lots of horses and wives. He had all the money, all the wisdom. He had everything going for him. There was nothing that Solomon was actually lacking. But it actually says that Solomon in chapter four, verses eight of Ecclesiastes says, there was a man all alone. He had neither a son nor a brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For who am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? You see, the thing is sometimes we think if we have more, we'll enjoy more, but that's not the truth. God just says we, if we can get into more relationship, that's where the enjoyment and that's where the freedom actually comes in. Andre always says that uh, he, he goes that, you know, God's never gonna bypass people on your way to your destiny. And it's so important that we need to realize that, that it's not in your accumulated material things, it's in your relationships with people that God can work. Um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So if anybody knows what that is, Maslow does this research on the hierarchy of needs. But something very interesting that I read when I was researching for the sermon, it says, before can a person can, wait, before we can be a person of value and become all that we need and intend to become, we first need to have our social needs met. We need to make sure that our social, we must be a part of a group affiliating and experiencing and caring for other people. Otherwise, you're always gonna feel like something is missing. So the bottom line is a long intro, um, a long intro just to tell you we need each other. <laughs> like we really, really do need each other. So tonight we're gonna find our story in uh, the Passover table, as I mentioned earlier. If you wanna follow in your Bibles, you can make your way to John chapter 13. We'll be reading from there first. Jesus is celebrating the Passover. 
Passover would happen every year and it represented when uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit passed over and they had the blood on the door. So it was something that was a Passover celebration that happened and the Jews would have these celebrations every year. And the, the time of the, that Jesus is actually meeting with the disciples now is hours before he moves to Gethsemane. It's hours before he gets handed over to be crucified. And um, as they entered this house that they were in, it was customary that there would be somebody to wash your feet. So, so that would, but in this particular instance in the story, I don't know why, but there might not have been somebody to wash anyone's feet. So in the story, Jesus decides to wash his disciples' feet. Now I must say, he's been with his disciples for three years now. They have learned from him, They've, he's been their leader, he's guided them. But in this point, he decides to take off his outer garment, wrap it around his waist, get a basin of water and get down on his knees and wash his disciples' feet. And so in the first scripture in John chapter 13, verse eight, we can immediately see that Peter jumps into the story and says, no ways. How many of you, if I asked you to take your shoes off now and just move it one seat up to somebody sitting next to you, how many of you feel comfortable with that right now? I can imagine that, okay, let's try it. All right. <laughs> so Peter goes, no ways. The scripture says, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. It's so crazy. Um, Chris Hodges, actually, when I was doing research on this, actually mentioned, so this piece of scripture I've taken from Chris Hodges, and it's, so, it's such, I've never seen the scripture in this way, painted in this way before, but it's so interesting. It's like Peter goes, no ways, I've enjoyed your teachings, you are my God, but I just can't let you get into that part of my life. I don't want you to see the cracks in that part of my life. I don't want you to see the dirt, and I certainly don't want you to smell the stink that comes from that part of my life. And I think in a lot of ways, this scripture is just a picture of our lives and our relationship with God. You know, I love God, I have a relationship with Him, I'm in a church and I want to go to heaven. But God, there are parts of my life that I don't really want you to see. There are parts of my life that are dirty, cracked, dark, and there are parts that I don't even wanna talk about. And that's where Peter is at the moment. He's saying, Jesus, you're my God and I love you, but I can't have you do that. And this is what Jesus responds with in verse 18, chapter 13, verse Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. I'm gonna repeat that again, because I need that to sink in. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I can get into the deepest, darkest, smelliest, cracked place of your life, I can never be a partner with you. Because the deal is that sometimes you are missing a part of Jesus because Jesus wants to get in and change your life and transform your life. But some of us as Christians are holding on to certain parts of our lives. We're saying, God, you can have this part, love, you can love. You can have this part. God is my love. He is love. So I'll get away with that. But I wonder how many of us have a part of God, but not all of God in all of our parts of our lives. And I wonder how many of us have experienced salvation, 
but are still struggling with handing over certain parts in our lives. In the Gospel of John, Jesus actually teaches his disciples about this and about the key in relationships. So the first point is, I need people who will care for me. John chapter 13, verses 12 to 15 says this, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done? He says to the disciples. Like, Do you understand what I've just done? And the disciples are like, yeah, you washed our feet. But he's trying to get them to think a little bit deeper. He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example so that you should do as I have done. Jesus was set an example for them. That we need to be a church, a community that cares for each other. We can't just care for each other in certain when it, when it just suits us. We need to be a genuine connection because I think Jesus was prepared to get down and dirty. He was prepared to do something that nobody else was prepared to do, to care for the disciples. And to be a church that's gonna be an example in our community and an impact in our community, we need to be caregivers. But like Peter, we need to be care receivers. I don't know about you, but I struggle with gifts. Anybody else? My wife tells me, she tries to, she tells me it's pride and then she makes me feel bad. And she's like, pride is the number one sin. And I just, I, I, I struggle with receiving gifts. Like if any of you know me, it's just like, I feel awkward. Just like the elevator, I feel awkward. I'm like, yeah, I really don't need it. You can use the money to go and help other people. And, but it, it gets awkward. And I don't know about you, but I'm always that part, type that everyone's like, no way, you're the only one, yeah. But I remember at Christmas time, um, we, had, we had got COVID. Um, so just as we had gone on leave, <laughs> it was like, as we decide the first day of leave, figure out, oh, we've all got COVID, yay. So we're all in isolation. But it, what happened was something that I didn't expect is that people in the church started to send us meals and started to care for us. And I, we weren't expecting, and I try to keep it a massive secret. Abby doesn't keep anything a secret. No, I'm joking, <laughs> I'm teasing. But I try to keep it a secret. But what I learned through that whole situation is that when I'd learned to receive from the love of the community, that I could actually experience that love. But some of us are going like, I, don't, I can't have it. All you do is you rob yourself from receiving that blessing. And it's a blessing for other people to give. And so um, I, that was just one instance where I can just say in our lives, where the church came together and supported us. And I was so grateful to be part of a life-giving church uh, that, that actually is there to support and care uh, for everyone. We could be a church. We can be in danger. Because of the size of our churches, we could be in danger of just being a slip in in our church. How many people in our church slip in and out without being noticed? That's a very good question to ask ourselves because those, as a team, we're always asking that. We're trying to, how do we get them? How do we show up in the net? How do we make sure that everybody is not left out? 
And I think for us, we've got to realize that if we are going to be an impactful church, it's not just up to the pastors to make sure that people aren't slipping in and out. It's up to everyone as a community to actually look out for each other. Um, so in this Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10, um, it says this, it's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other one helps. But if there's no one to help, I love it how it ends. This is the message version, tough. Has your mother ever said that to you? Mom, this happened, tough, deal with it. But that's the message, it is the word of God. Um, and, um, but this is so true, that there's gonna be a day where you're gonna fall down. There will be a day, no matter how tough you are, there will be a day that you'll fall down. There will be a day that you are not gonna handle the load anymore. I don't know, it might be in your finances. It might be in your relationships, in your marriage, uh, in, your, uh, in, in every situation of your life. You might uh, find depression. There might be times where you just can't handle it anymore. Well, this scripture says that don't do it alone because we go stronger when we go together. And I think that when we come to a church and we realize that, we realize that we don't have to fall down because there's always a community to pick us up here at View Church. Romans 12, 15 says this, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We've gotta be a church that's prepared to mourn with people. Um, I, I, I remember a time one of our service leaders, uh, their, their parents had passed away and it was during COVID and it was very tragic. By the time I'd got to the call, I was like, I need to get out there. And, and they said, don't worry, Andre and Leanne are already here. And it just made me think that that's a church that we wanna be, that we wanna be there available for everybody when we can be there. And that's what we should be doing as a church. We should be on top of it and connecting with each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. View groups is how we care for people. That whole point just led up to that one thing. I just want to clear. View groups is where you can experience a place that you can be cared for. Sometimes if you're just gonna come on Sunday, you are gonna slip in and you're gonna slip out. But I encourage you, I actually dare you to become part of the life of this church. And the way that you do that is through getting into a life-speaking view group. We care for each other in view groups. Now that was chapter 13, but let's just have a look. Jesus goes on to chapter 14 and he's got another theme that he teaches here. And it says, I need people who will encourage me. Jesus looks at the disciples and they, they looked a bit worried because Jesus is about to come to the end and they, they, they're, not, they're worried about what's going on. Um, Jesus is talking about leaving and Jesus actually uses this opportunity to encourage them and he says this in John 14, one, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled, believe in God, but also believe in me. He is then starting to talk to them about heaven. And so whilst they're feeling down and doom and gloom, they're going like, they're gonna get us and they're probably gonna beat us. They've beaten everybody else, so we better hide. And he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he starts to talk about heaven. He actually is looking at disciples and he's saying, you've got it good. Sometimes you're looking at everything you don't have. 
And sometimes we need people that can encourage us to remind us, you've got more than enough. God has given you everything you need to achieve your purpose and you have more than enough because he goes on to say, my father's house has many rooms in it. You know, in this life you may suffer, but when you get to heaven, my father is preparing something for you. Don't worry, it's going to be okay. And sometimes we need to be a family that can encourage each other when we're going through that stuff. I love the Hebrews chapter 3, 13. The scripture says this, it says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. How many of you encourage somebody today? I know that some of the year two serves came to me and asked me to be a little bit more harder on them. <laughs> They're like, Chris just tells us how it is. Can you just stop encouraging us? And I'm just like, I'm like, even when they do something bad, I'm like, don't worry, we're gonna do this, we're gonna move it. And they're just like, but the thing is, I love encouraging. I don't know about you, but I can I think if we can learn to encourage each other, we can encourage each other through things. It's just like a like a, sometimes when I sit in the front row and a preacher's preaching, sometimes when you amen and you encourage it, you're gonna get the best out of the word. You're gonna get the best out of the preacher. And sometimes when you want the best out of somebody, you need to start encouraging it out of somebody. Stop getting critical and looking at everything you don't do and start to focus on where we could be if you did do that and encourage people to get there. Because I'll tell you what, when we make room for others, we discover the best of others, but we also discover the best of ourselves. It's in the relationship that we grow. Chapter 15, I don't have a clock up, so um, <laughs> just, uh, I don't know, yeah, I'll, I'll just keep going. Give me a wave. <laughs> I could do this all night, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. All right, so chapter 15, uh, Jesus says this, number three, I need people who will partner with me. John 15, four to five says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branch. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He reminds us that we need each other. We need Jesus more than you can ever think or imagine. Every day when you wake up with your problem, don't take your problems ahead of Jesus. Put Jesus above your problems because it's in your relationship with Him because He is all you need. And I'm not just doing this as Christian. I'm doing this because this is what we've lived through our lives. Every time I've taken a faith step in my life, I can tell you something. God, you will always see him when you're stepping in faith. You will always see him when you prepare to risk something. But the problem is a lot of us wanna be comfortable Christians and we never get to that space. So if you wanna partner with Jesus, we need to realize that we gotta do it together. We gotta be with Jesus and we gotta do it together with each other. Just an example, um, I just wanna honor James and Jess. Um, he's, he's a shy guy, but they sowed 10 years of their life into Zambia and to the missions in Western Zambia to actually see villages uh, have the gospel. Today, there are thousands, how many churches? I think 
133 churches in Zambia. It is amazing what God is doing in Zambia, but because of the faithfulness of people that go. But I wanna let you know something. You don't realize it, but you've been a part of that growth in Zambia. Because every time we tithe, every time we give, we are constantly contributing towards the Zambian mission. You see, sometimes we aren't there, but we are there. And so when we come together as a church and we say we find the need and we come together, sometimes you may not be able to physically go, but if you can financially support, you're still part of the growth of the kingdom in different parts of the world. And I wanna encourage you that that's what this scripture is. Jesus is saying that when we partner with Him and we partner with each other, we can achieve more. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, two are better than one. I don't know about you, but maybe you're going through a situation where you're thinking maybe if I could just be the one. I've tried the two thing for a while, but it's getting frustrating. Can I just be the one? I wanna encourage you right now. The Word of God says that two is better than one. Hang on, don't lose courage. Just keep going, have persistence. God will work through that, but never let go of the two to think that the one's gonna bless you. The two is gonna bless you, hang on. So two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Notice that scripture, just something that stands out in that scripture in Ephesians 2.10. Do you guys have that scripture? Did I not get it up? Okay, but the, the scripture specifically says, for we are God's handiwork. Not for I am God's handiwork. We, the context of the church, is the body that we move together with. And, and it's so important that we as a church, even in our view groups, I encourage you, if you're running a view group, don't be scared to keep serving. You know, over December, we had one of our view groups that found a need in an old age home in Zonicus and actually got together. They raised funds and actually ran a Christmas party for those people and all of their toiletry needs and everything that they need. And you know what? When they did it, they came back and said, we need to do more because you know why? Success will breed success. Whatever you wanna breed, you gotta start living out now. And if you become a view group that is a serving group, a changing view group, you'll see God change people's lives and you'll see Him work through you. Number four, I need people who will protect me. I need people who will be vulnerable, Jesus says. And we know this because um, John 16, one says, all this I've told you so that you'll not fall away. Jesus doesn't want us to fall away. He wants us to realize that you could fall away if you're gonna try and do it alone. But when you do it together, you've got support. I'm just gonna read the scripture. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Not me though. <laughs> a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We need people who will be there to ask the hard questions. I've got a friend in this church and I'm an accountability, accountability partner with him. 
And he's asked me, just in confidence, and we, he's asked me, could you be an accountability partner? And so I receive emails on stuff on his phone. And it's just, we're protecting each other. This isn't a school teacher thing, he's just protecting. And sometimes I'll see something come through and I'll be like, ooh, I don't know what that means. But then I'll contact him and say like, dude, what does this mean? What's happening here? And then he'll let me know what it is or it's a game or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Thank you, Jesus. But he cares enough for, for his salvation, for what God wants to do in his life, to allow other people into his life, to help him hold him accountable. I wanna ask you tonight, some of us are holding serious secrets in our lives. Do you know that there's only one destination when you hold secrets and that's trouble? If you ever wanna end up in trouble, hold a lot of secrets. But when we open it, the Bible says that when we come together and confess to one, each, uh, one another, when we hold each other accountable, we can hold each other accountable before God. And it helps us free us. It, it just takes the weapon away from the enemy. And in closing, the last point, chapter 17, Jesus takes the disciples with him to the Garden of Gethsemane where he had be arrested. And he teaches this. He says, I need people who will pray for me. This is not left last because it's the least important. Actually, it's left last because I think it's the most important. Uh, if I, you don't remember anything else spoken tonight, just remember this part. Because when we enter from a place of prayer, you enter from a place of, uh, of God's purpose. You enter from a place that you trust in God from it right from the beginning. We wanna fight from a place of prayer. But a lot of us actually pray when we're in trouble <laughs> rather than letting it be our first solution. And so I wanna encourage you, and that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says, not only do I need somebody to care for me, to encourage me, to partner with me, to protect me, but to also pray. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. The Garden of Gethsemane, as we head up to Easter, we'll probably talk more about this, but it says that Jesus was in such tremendous pressure, um, uh, such tremendous stress, that he actually experienced something called hematidrosis. And all the doctors lifted their heads and went, mm -mm. <laughs> I think it's called hematidrosis. It's, it's a rare condition where you can sweat blood. They've actually found this in World War II when they put people in concentration camps and they used to put them under tremendous pressure. You could actually sweat blood, beads of blood through your sweat pores. In order to do it though, your body needs to be under the most tremendous amount of stress. Jesus, we can see his most vulnerable moment. You know, some of us think of Jesus as just the hero, as just the God. But I wanna tell you, Jesus was a man. That's why we can follow him because he left an example for us to follow. And he, this is his most vulnerable moment to show us his most human part. He was, and all he asked in that moment was for the disciples to pray for him. And he used the opportunity, no matter what he was going through, to pray. And it says this in Ephesians 6, 18, and, uh, sorry, in John chapter 17, one and nine, and it says this, after Jesus said this, he looked towards the heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may be glorified. Verse nine says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they, are yours. I don't know about your situation and where you are at the moment, but Jesus is praying for you. 
It actually says that he it says that Satan, he even said to Peter that Satan's trying to sift you. He says, but I've prayed for your faith to be strengthened. Right now in heaven, Jesus is praying for your faith to be strengthened. And I encourage you that if you've never ever got into a relationship with Jesus, I wanna let you know, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. He still loves you. You just need to realize it. And sometimes we've got to get to moments like this that we actually go, you know what? I actually need Him in my life. But I want to pray with you this evening. And I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't got a relationship with Jesus tonight, I want to encourage you to actually start that, that journey with Him. So if we could bow our heads and close our eyes, and this is, we're bowing our heads and closing our eyes, not to hide away, but just to, to make sure that this is a moment that we're gonna quieten ourselves and just hear from God. Ephesians 6, 18 says, and I pray the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Lord God, I don't know who you're speaking to tonight, but I know that you draw all men and women's hearts unto yourself. That is you that carries the righteousness and the love and the power and the protection and the care. But Lord, I just pray in this moment, Father God, that you would start to soften hearts. Even areas of our lives that are hardened, Lord. Maybe there's areas in our lives that are cracked and dirty, Lord, that we haven't surrendered to you. And I just pray, Father God, that right now you'll start to soften our hearts as we start to trust you. I just wanna pray quickly for anybody that's just needing prayer right now for an area in your life that you're wanting God to soften. There's maybe an area that you are holding secret or you're holding back and you just want God, I just want you to pop your hand up, pop it down. I'm not gonna call you out. We're just gonna pray for you. You can actually just pop your hand up and pop your, thank you. Thank you at the back. Anybody else, thank you. Anybody else, thank you. Thank you, thank you in the middle. Thank you on the side. Thank you at the back. Lord God, you know all of our ways. You know us from inside out, Lord, because we've been weaved in our mother's womb um, and you're the one that, that actually did that, Lord. And so you've knitted us together and you love us and you've got a plan for us. And so, Father God, I just pray for your people tonight, Father God, that whatever they're experiencing going through, Father God, I pray you break, you break anything that is from the devil, Father God, Whatever is the enemy's plans and purposes of their life, I pray it breaks right now in Jesus' name, Father God, because no weapon formed against shall prosper, Father God, for when you go before us, nothing can come against us, Father God. We can stand up boldly into the throne room because of what you've done and you cared for us, Lord. And so, Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you would start to work in those areas of their lives as they confess unto you in Jesus' name. I just wanna quickly give anyone that hasn't got a relationship with Jesus an opportunity tonight. And it's just, we're not gonna do anything weird. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. You just raise your hand up and put it down. And then we just wanna pray as a church with you tonight and celebrate with you. So on my right-hand side, is there anybody on the right-hand side? You just put your hand up and put it down. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else here tonight? I don't wanna move on. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see your hand at the back, thank you. Anybody else, I don't wanna move on. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, can we pray as, pray as a church? Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us, that you died on the cross to pray for our sins. Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I wanna change my ways. Lord, I'm gonna ask you to come into my heart right now. Transform me, Lord God, from the inside out. Lord God, I know that I'm now a son and a daughter of yours. And I wanna serve you for the rest of my life. If you paid that prayer, congratulations. Can we just give a round of applause for anyone? Awesome. Come on, let's just honor Dieter. Let's just thank him for an amazing message. So this being View Group Sunday, the next thing we want you to do is take a step. If you aren't part of a View Group, we encourage you to take a step towards one. If you are part of a View Group, why don't you invite people to take that step towards your group? Um, you know, people don't have a faith crisis because God's not moving. People have a faith crisis because they stop moving. We know how God's moving and our faith journey is a faith walk. And just even when it comes to relationships, we actually just need a step into relationship. You must remember, the things you wanna build in this life are connected to the relationships you build in this life. You can look at it. The great things you built in this life have been because of the great relationships in your life. The things that have been destroyed in your life are normally connected to relationships that have might have been broken, that have come into your world and brought brokenness into your world. So you need to decide, I wanna build this life. So I wanna encourage you to step into relationship tonight. And, and yeah, God can direct a moving vessel. So that's gonna be your journey. Listen, for anyone who made decision, we'd love to pray with you. Um, you'll see we've got crosses on the wall. Even as people give their life this year, we pray with them and they in a way public, publicly confess just the decision they made. They stamped the wall with a cross and they, they're just saying, Jesus, I just wanna thank you for what you've done for me at the cross. So I encourage you to do that. Then for our new people, there'll be coffee as you walk outside the doors. There'll be coffee in our new people's area, which will be right in front of you where the view groups are signing up. So for everyone, and as you walk out right in front of you, you're gonna have different options and view groups. Once you go there, they've got interest groups, they've got groups for you, married couples with kids, married couples with no kids, singles, young adults. Uh, we've got teen groups, you've got young adult groups, we've got seniors groups, you've got interest groups. We have got a group for you. I wanna encourage you to step into a group right now. God bless you guys.